Well, I, I don't know if you have noticed, but human beings have a really interesting relationship with truth. I mean, so many of the things that we think of or experience as always being true often have all kinds of exceptions to them, especially if you're analytical at all or open-minded at all. I mean, even when you look at something like history, I mean, how do you distinguish history from propaganda? I mean, because a lot of history is the retelling of the human story, but it's told with a particular intention, right? And the moment there's an intention behind the information, you have to begin questioning the information because you're not just talking about the data, you're talking about the interpretation of that data, right? And so there are times, especially in the world today, that's full of complete and total spin or fake news or alternative facts, whatever those are, where the truth can often feel incredibly elusive, which honestly can be really, really uncomfortable and destabilizing to us because none of us want to be duped. I mean, we don't want to be wrong about little things, much less something that is this pillar of our life or something that we've grown up believing or something that we grew up building our life around. Like, have you ever been convinced of something and been really adamant about something that was just kind of small or insignificant, but you were willing to go to the mat, right? You were willing to fight and argue about it with people only to find out later that you were wrong. Like, anybody ever believed the wrong song lyrics like you sung the wrong you flubbed the song lyrics but you were convinced you knew the right lyrics right or, or a movie quote anybody ever like you've gone for years quoting this movie but that's not the quote this actually happened to my brothers like we um I, I have a whole bunch of siblings and um and, and so I'm pretty close to my brothers and and we love the old movie so I married an axe murderer anybody know that movie Okay, yeah, it's a fantastic movie, um, and, and it's super quotable. Well, my brothers have been quoting this one particular part of the movie, and they've been saying the quote wrong for like 30 years, I mean, a long time, and I just knew when they were saying it, I was like, I didn't know the correct quote, but I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not the quote. That's not what he says, and so literally like a couple months ago, I went and looked it up, and sure enough, they had it wrong, so I sent them the correct quote, and they didn't believe me. They're like, you're stupid. That's not what he says. I've, not, I've seen that movie a million times. See, we are willing to fight over silly things, or, or maybe the definition or the usage of a word. Have you ever, you know, like somebody keep, ever been around somebody that keeps using the wrong word, and you're like, you keep using that word. I do not think you think it, it means what you think it means. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Or, or the urban legends, like, like that you could catch a cold just from being cold, or that you gotta wait 30 minutes after you eat before you go swimming. Mom's just been out here ruining their kids' days for decades, making them wear jackets or sit out of the pool. And as it turns out, it was all lies. Our moms were wrong. They thought they knew, but they didn't know. But they got to pretend like they were right even after they knew they were wrong because they're still the mom. And we've all had moments where we've been absolutely certain that we were right about something only to, to discover later just how wrong we really were. But here's the thing. Most of the time, in those moments, we're, we're not lying, right? We're, we're just mistaken. We thought we had the truth, but we didn't. So it, it's funny how much we don't want to admit it when we're wrong, even when what we're wrong about isn't really that big of a deal and there, or there isn't really that much at stake or, or most people don't even seem to care, but we care. 
So when, when I started thinking about the most famous or sort of well-known quotes or ideas around the idea of truth, so many things that came to my mind were actually things that Jesus said. But maybe the most famous phrase, at least in our culture, around the idea of truth actually comes from a movie. 30 years ago in 1992, when I was a junior in high school, there was a movie that came out called A Few Good Men. Anybody know this movie? It's a fantastic movie. It's a great movie, super quotable. Um, it's one of those movies that whenever I'm in a hotel room and I'm flipping channels and it's on like TBS or whatever, I always stop and just watch the rest of it because it's fantastic. It's so good. But in the most intense moment of the movie, Tom Cruise's character is questioning Jack Nicholson's character who's a, on the witness stand in this military courtroom, right? And Cruise is demanding the truth, right? And he says, I want the truth. And Nicholson finally has had enough of the badgering and he yells that famous line, you can't handle the truth. Now, what I'm embarrassed to admit this morning is that there have been way too many times in my life where that statement has actually been true of me. Moments where I couldn't handle the truth. See, a, a lot of us say we want the truth, but do we really want to know what's true or do we just want somebody to affirm what we already think is true? And I think if we're honest, the answer is, well, it kind of depends. It depends on the situation. Because often when somebody does speak the truth to us, instead of realizing or wrestling with what it is that they're telling us or what they're saying, we often just attack the truth teller, right? Have you ever done that? Like I, I have. Like who do, who do you think you are coming and talking to me? And what about that thing in your life? And what about this thing over there? Who gave you the right to come and tell me? Who gave you the right to come and talk to me about that? And so what do we do? We decide and we've definitely done this in our culture, that we're going to live according to my truth. And if my truth doesn't line up with the truth, then I just don't want to know the truth, which is, I think, actually where the vast majority of people live, at least in our culture. But the pivotal question in all of this is who or what is the source of truth, and are they trustworthy? Because if I'm living out just my truth, the implication is I am the source of what is true. And I don't know about you, but I know me. And the idea that I'm the source of what's true is actually a little bit scary. The truth is, if we're willing to actually struggle and begin to search for the truth, that in and of itself is an acknowledgement that there's, maybe there's truth outside of us. That maybe there's a source of truth that's more credible than me. So Jesus actually did speak a lot about the truth. And the things he said were, absolutely revolutionary. But there's one specific conversation that I want to take you to this morning as we dive into this that I think is particularly striking. It's found in John chapter 18 where there's a conversation between Jesus and a guy named Pontius Pilate. And this takes place in a moment when Jesus had been arrested. It's within the last couple of days of Jesus's life. And Pilate, he's standing before Pilate. Pilate's trying to determine what he's going to do with him, if he's going to hand him over to be tried and executed, or if he's going to set him free. And so Pilate's having this little conversation with Jesus, and it says this in John chapter 18. It says, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? 
your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest but by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So you're a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews that were gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against this man. So Pilate asked Jesus this question, are you the king of the Jews? And as so often, as he so often did, Jesus answered his question with a question of his own. But it's important to note that in these moments, and especially in this particular moment, Jesus wasn't being coy, he wasn't playing games, he wasn't trying to avoid the question. Because one of the things that was so brilliant about Jesus is that he had a way of sort of cutting through all the pretense to get to the heart of the matter, right? To, to cut through all of the stuff and the, what the conversation looked to be about to actually get to the true motivations and the deeper questions that were actually driving the conversation. See, Jesus was constantly bombarded with questions, but his most common curiosity in those moments was always, it, it seemed to be, why are you asking that question of me right now. And so Jesus would always ask questions to try to uncover what their motivations was. And it wasn't, it, it, just like in this moment with Pilate, it's not because he didn't know the answer, because he did know the answer, but he's trying to open our eyes, right? He's trying to see if we are self-aware enough to know what our actual question is, what our motivation is. See, Jesus seemed to believe that the right question is better than a good answer. That questions, that the right question can be like a mirror that helps us see ourselves and our true motives. Because I don't know if you noticed this, but Pilate is doing something in the story that we read that I've done before. He's pretending to be searching for the truth. He doesn't really care about what's true, and he doesn't even really want to know what's true. He's trying to get to the right information that will give him the answer to getting out of the situation that he's in. That's what he's doing. But Jesus doesn't take the bait. And so finally, Pilate is so frustrated, he asks the question every single human being eventually wrestles with in their life. What is truth? I mean, that is the million dollar question, right? And although he kind of phrases it like a question, it was really more of a statement, right? He, he's incredulous. He's like, well, what even is truth? But that question, what is truth, is at the core of the human experience. What is truth? Does it exist? Or is life just completely subjective? Is it just your truth versus my truth? And the contrast in this moment is so powerful, right? You have Pilate who's pretending to be searching for the truth, all the while Jesus, who is truth personified, is standing right in front of him. And the unspoken question in this story is, is, is the, the real question is not the questions that Pilate asked, it's the unspoken question of, would you recognize truth if it was standing right in front of you? I, I think that's really terrifying, that you could be staring truth in the face and still completely miss it. 
So there's this other moment in John chapter 14 where Jesus is talking with his disciples and he's explaining to them who he is and what he's doing and what he's going to be doing, but they don't get it. And they're like, I, I mean, we, we, we kind of think we know who you are and we're kind of convinced and, 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 but I mean, who really are you again? And like, is God real? And is all this real? Is any of this true or real Jesus? And how do you know? And Jesus responds with one of the most controversial things that he's ever said and you, even if you're not a church person, you've probably heard these words. Jesus said in John 14, 6, it says that I, Jesus told him, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, Jesus insisted that truth isn't a principle, but it's a person. That is revolutionary. Because what he's saying is truth isn't just facts and information that you can possess. In fact, the word that Jesus uses for truth in this particular moment is actually synonymous with reality, right? So he's making this incredible declaration that he's not just talking about having the right answers, right? He's going, in a world full of illusions and facades and mirages, I'm what's real. I'm the truth. I'm what's true. I am ultimate reality. By the way, I don't know if you've thought about this much, but there is a difference between truth and the true, right? The truth, truth is like factually correct information. But when you're true, that means that you're authentic and real and trustworthy. And Jesus was both. See, truth is about information, but the true is about essence. It's about your motives and intentions. Because I can know the truth but have false or shady motives, right? I can know the right facts and information but use them in a way that betrays the very truth that I'm espousing. And the opposite can be true, right? You can, you can be authentic, pure of heart, pure motives, and actually just possess the wrong information and be mistaken. Have you ever known someone who believed something which turned out to be a complete lie or deception, whether it was about themselves or a relationship or how life works or even who God is? I mean, it's really unsettling in those moments, right? If you've ever lived that moment or you've ever been in a relationship with someone where you're trying to convince them, no, that's not, that's not how it is. That's, that's not who they are. That's not what reality is. And they just can't see it. It's hard to admit, but we have an incredible capacity for self-deception, don't we? So I have a really strong commitment and value for speaking the truth. And part of it is because, and I'm not proud of this, but I'm actually a really, really good liar. I grew up being able to just tell people what they wanted to hear and they believed it. See, my wife and I are very different in this way. She is the single most honest person I have ever known. She could not tell a lie if her life depended on it. If you were like, you need to go in that room and lie to those people or I will kill you. She will die in that moment because she will not be able to go in there and convince those people because you will see it all over her face. She couldn't tell a lie if her life depended on it. Me, on the other hand, I can spin a tale like nobody's business. Like I can reel people in and deceive them and all kinds of things. Just watch. Anybody ever played two truths and a lie? Okay, I'm really good at it. See if you can spot the lie. Okay, so um, I have six siblings. I was born in Texas. I'm six foot three. 
Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> See, it's so easy, though, for us, right, to get swept up in what we hope for. Like, I wish I was six foot three. If you're six foot three, I hate you. Right? It's, it's easy for us to get swept along in what we want to be true, what, what we wish were true. But Jesus takes us beyond what is true to who is true. That he is the ultimate reality, which honestly is awesome, but also not awesome. Because there's times where we'd rather that the truth was just a set of principles or facts or right answers or information, because then we wouldn't have to wrestle with all of the ways that it's so deeply personal. Because the truth is we'd rather that truth would just be more philosophical, that it's just out there somewhere, that it's something that we can hold on to and lock away, right? That it's standards that we can hold other people to, that we can find loopholes for ourselves in. I mean, in the end, does it really matter what's true as long as it's true to me? But for Jesus, the purpose of truth isn't just to acquire the correct information, but to experience a total and complete transformation in our life. So there's this verse in Romans chapter 12 where uh, this guy named Paul talks about this very thing. And he actually says it this way in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by how? By changing the way that you think. When the truth begins to take a hold of your life, it begins to change the way that you think. And then you will know God's will, God's truth for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, Jesus didn't treat the truth like it was just something that we would hold on to, that we would possess. But that it was something that would possess us, that would change us, that would transform us. So I'm not a soccer fan. I, I know I prefer football, not football. Um, go Cowboys. And you know what? You guys are all quiet during the good stuff, right? And then you boo during the, you know what? You hypocrites. <laughs> go Warriors. Uh, but although I, I've always liked him, I've never been a huge Jason Sudeikis fan, but I love the show Ted Lasso. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh, it's a fantastic show. But every time I watch the show, I think, I want to be more like Ted Lasso. It's so good. Well, in season two, Ted starts seeing a therapist, and there's a scene where the therapist says to Ted, she says, remember, Ted, the truth will set you free. And I remember when she said that, I remember thinking like, I wonder how many people watching this actually know that she's quoting Jesus, right? Because that's something that Jesus said. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, right? When we don't know the truth, we're not just lacking information. We've lost our freedom. And so the therapist says, she quotes Jesus. She says to Ted, you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free, Ted. But then she adds this little tag, but first, it'll piss you off. And I think that is a perfect description for our relationship with the truth, right? Because most of us are really open to the truth that already agrees with us, right? We really like that truth. But the great irony is that kind of truth actually won't bring the change that we long for in our relationships and in our own life. The only truth that actually brings freedom is the truth that sets us off, that confronts us, that makes us mad, that offends us, that feels like an attack on our truth. And that's the problem. See, lies, no matter how comforting they are to us, no matter how seemingly well-intentioned they are, 
Lies can never lead us to the truth. What's false will never take you into what's true. And you know this from your own life, from your own experience. I mean, just remove God from the equation for a second. Set him to the side. In our relationships, no matter how close you are to someone or how much you love them, if they repeatedly lie to you, it will begin to break down the relationship. The people you're closest to, the people you've been in relationship with the longest, the people you trust, they're the ones who tell you the truth. And on the flip side, no matter how much you love somebody, no matter how close or connected you are to them, no matter how much you trust them, if they lie to you and they lie to you and they lie to you over and over and over again, that relationship will either become extremely dysfunctional or it will just disintegrate altogether. See, a relationship that is healthy and authentic and intimate, it can't exist without truth because without truth, there is no trust and without trust, there's no intimacy. So just on a basic human level, we're obviously designed for truth. No matter what you think or feel or believe about God, you still have a relationship with the truth, which is kind of strange, isn't it? See, the reality is there really isn't a good lie. There isn't a lie that will make you better. In the end, there is a direct relationship, though, between what is true and what is healthy. When we live in a lie, whether it's one we're telling or one someone else is telling, and we're just going along and accepting it, it actually begins to make us sick. It makes that relationship sick. It's toxic to us. You and I were designed for truth. And as we move towards what's true, we become healthier as a result. So often we, times we want to hold on to the lies, to our truth, and still experience the growth and the freedom and the breakthrough and personal health and all the things that we want out of life. But you and I will never experience emotional health or psychological health or the deep spiritual health and well-being that we all need and that we all long for until we're willing to follow the truth wherever it takes us. When you read the scriptures and become a follower of Jesus, you begin to realize that you've entered into, you've stepped into something that is so much bigger than you. That the reality of eternity and what's going on after this life begins to enter the picture. The idea that there's this cosmic battle of good versus evil and right versus wrong and God versus the devil. If you are around here for any length of time, you will know that I don't spend a lot of time talking about the devil. I'd much rather spend all of my strength and time and breath talking to you about the one who loves you and came to give you life. But what is interesting is that when you look in the scriptures, you cannot read the scriptures and not come across a conversation about evil, about Satan, about the devil. What's interesting is that the word devil and Satan, they both mean the same thing. They mean slanderer. They're telling us, the scriptures are telling us that our spiritual enemy, that he's not, he's a liar. He just doesn't tell lies. That's who he is. That's, that's actually his name. And he's not just telling, you know, he's not just any liar telling random lies. He's a specific kind of liar. He's a slanderer. He's somebody who lies about you. 
See, the cosmic battle in the scriptures between God and Satan isn't framed around power or strength or weapons, but actually around truth. It's the picture of a God who is true and an enemy whose core power and core existence is defined by lies and accusations and slander. Between the God who formed us and knows us and calls us by name and calls us to be who he created us to be and an enemy that's bent on convincing us and others that we are not who we are, that we are less than what God created us to be. And that's actually what we see play out in the opening scene of the story of God and us. Going all the way back in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, in the garden, the serpent comes to Adam and Eve and he's trying to get them to do the one thing that God told them not to do. And listen to what he says in Genesis chapter three, verse five. He says, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you both will be like God, knowing both good and evil. See, There's this thought out there that the serpent came and was appealing to the pride of humanity trying to be like God. And there may be some of that in there. But the truth is, is that he deceived them with something that was already true about them. See, because he says, God is afraid that when you eat this, you will become like God. But just a few verses later, it was God's idea to make us like himself that they were already like God. God said, let us make man and woman in our image. And so you were created in the image and likeness of God. So he comes and begins chipping away at that relationship, at trust, and begins to slander God, convincing Adam and Eve that God is not who he said he is, that he's not who he claims to be, that he's not trustworthy, that he can't be trusted with his intentions towards them. See, it's not surprising then that when you come to something like the Ten Commandments, that one of them, one of the the 10 things that God handed to Moses about the interactions between human beings, that one of them is telling about telling the truth and us not lying to each other. He says, don't bear false witness or give false testimony against your neighbor. See, God considers being truthful with and about each other to be so essential that he put it in the top 10 commandments that he gave to Moses. And, And All of this is why I think Jesus wouldn't let Pilate off the hook. Because Pilate was in that moment trying to hide behind what other people had said about Jesus. What other people were saying about him and claiming about him. He was doing the easy thing. The thing that we do so often when we don't want to be confronted with the truth, right? He was acting as if the truth was not accessible or knowable. As if it just like, what, what is truth, Right? He's acting as if there's this thing that's going on that's just so confusing and he doesn't know how to make sense of it. The truth that Pilate needed to step into in that moment was standing right in front of him. And Jesus even says to him, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. He isn't a guide that's guiding us towards the truth. He's not a mentor to teach us about the truth. He's actually the embodiment of truth. He is the truth. He's not guiding us to do north. He is due north. Truth exists because God can be trusted. That there's a source that is always true. And it, he's always true in his intentions. He's always intends good. And so he always speaks the truth. We often treat the truth like a tool to be used rather than a compass to follow. 
We often pursue truths in our lives that have no effect on us, right? We, we wrestle with big things and, you know, what was life like four and a half million years ago? Black hole, like we, we have all these truths and information that we occupy ourselves with, pursuing truths that really don't affect our lives. And those things are interesting, but often we pursue them so that we can ignore the truths that are actually at the core of our relationships, at the core of who we are. And so this morning, I actually want to push past all that. And so my question for you to, this morning is, where is it in your life where you are running from the truth? What is the truth that you're being called to live out right now? What is the truth that's standing right in front of you, that's confronting you right now? Because the truth that Jesus gives us access to is always about changing us way before it's about changing the world around us. See, we want the truth that we can go out and give other people and they can get their lives together and fix them and set them straight. But the truth that when it enters our life, it's way more about changing us. Even as a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, I've grown up in the church. I don't have any memories in my life going back all the way when I was a kid where we didn't go to church, where we went to church every Sunday and sometimes multiple times a week. I've been to Bible college, more Bible studies, more information. I've taught the scriptures for 30 years. I've been around church a long time. And what I've noticed is we often tend to focus on information and verses and doctrines and theology about God as a way of ignoring the truth that's coming from God, that he's actually speaking to us about, the changes that he's wanting us to make and the person that he's wanting us to become. And so we ignore the things that he's trying to draw us into, the things he's trying to shape and change, the things he's trying to get us to leave behind, the things he's trying to get us to embrace. And we lean into verses and doctrines and theology and argue with people about all kinds of stuff. And some of that has its place. Some of it matters deeply. But so often we lean in that direction so that we can just ignore what it is that he's trying to do in our life. Jesus doesn't just know the truth, though. He doesn't just speak the truth to us. He is the truth, and he wants to make it personal to you this morning. He didn't come to always make us right. And that is the focus in our culture, right? Is what is the right information so that I can be on the right side of the issue, of history, of the argument, Jesus didn't come to make us always right, but he did come to make us always true. So that even when you have the wrong information, you're true at the core of your soul. Even when you're mistaken, even when you believe something but later grow out of it, that what's true about you is that there's this authenticity and this reality and this motivation at your core, at your essence that you are trustworthy and true. That, that is revolutionary. 
See, grace has come. Truth has come. Jesus has come. And he's inviting you and me into a relationship with him this morning. The question is, what will you do about it? What's the truth that God is wanting to confront you with right now? That he's been trying to whisper and you've been trying to be like, it's so elusive, I just don't know what to do. Most of the time we don't need clarity, we just need more courage to step into the truth that God's leading us to. To be honest with ourselves, to stop playing the game, and to go, okay, God, I'm going to step into this truth. Pray with me.